How to Be a Rebel Leader is a show about individuals who raise organizations to new levels by challenging the status quo, pushing for change, and fighting for their beliefs. Hear stories of their journeys to success and the passion it took to get there. This is How to Be a Rebel Leader. I'm Marcella Lobo. On today's show, the story of Illuminati's incredible chief strategy officer, Heather Stage. Heather is a passionate operator and believes her job is energy giving. She didn't settle for a job that didn't excite her. As Chief Strategy Officer Illuminati's, her role is always changing. She's in charge of store expansion and the sight of a line of 300 people deep outside a new store invigorates her and gives her the energy to keep up a demanding, ever-changing role. I know the biggest risk was moving from the comfort um, and the height of, of McKinsey & Company, which mm-hmm. is very well known yeah. um, and safe and prestigious, to um, paper source, where I didn't know if I was going to be any good at operations. thought I might be, but I, I don't know. And to leave something that you're good at, to try something that you're not sure if you're going to be, um, is risky. Because you also know that you're not sure if you can ever go back. Uh, in consulting, not a lot of people go into industry and then come back. So it was a risk to take that. I took a, um, a lower salary, um, a, a different benefits package for sure, um, and that risk paid off for me, but it definitely was a risk at that time. All right. Uh, my name is Heather Steggy. I grew up in a town called Clarence, which is outside of Buffalo, New York. Um, so a blue, I would say blue-collar t- town where the entire city goes to the football game and the hockey game, and um, uh, it was an idyllic, you know, growing up area. My family runs a gumball company, so all the gumballs in the gumball machine, so I grew up in and out of a candy factory. We were definitely the house to hit on Halloween. My parents have an indoor, in-ground pool in the shape of a gumball machine that is all tiled with gumballs um, on the bottom, <laughs> so um, very grown-up. Ah, uh, not really, uh, but uh, really fun when it's bring your, you know, dad or mom to work day and, you know, my dad makes, makes gum, or gum and candy. Uh, went to public high school. Um, while I had a 4.0, I um, refused to apply to any colleges that required an essay, which definitely shortened the list of um, potential colleges. So, um, you know, got in everywhere that I wanted to go because um, it didn't apply to the most academically rigorous. Um, I ended up going to Indiana University and absolutely loved it. Um, I loved being the part of fabric of the community. I still have amazing friends um, from IU. I loved that I could do so many things outside of academics um, in leadership roles and just like am definitely um, a really tremendous four years of my life. Um, coming out, all of the jobs are in Chicago. If you go to school in Indiana, um, where it's the first time I'd ever even seen a pickup truck was in Indiana. Um, so it was natural to go to Chicago. Um, had multiple job offers, had had some internships at larger companies um, in healthcare and one in technology, um, billion dollar companies, and I personally found them very boring. And maybe they didn't have you know, the, the right internship program, um, but seemed like so many meetings and not doing anything. So um, the opportunity to go into consulting felt at the time, really fast paced. It felt like you'd get to do different things. It felt like it would move faster. So I took a role at AT Carney moved to, and moved to Chicago. 
uh, cool thing was that you're immediately thrown in to clients and large sets of data and things that peers um, um, weren't even close to being able to do. I mean, they wouldn't even be able to attend a client meeting and you're leading a client meeting mm -hmm. at an early age, which I think is um, a tremendous opportunity um, out of undergrad. Um, wanted uh, to get my MBA. I majored in marketing. I liked marketing and I felt like having an MBA would um, enable me to um, it kind of a lot of people can say they can do marketing, but to really be have the analytic rigor behind it um, would be uh, helpful and showcase that um, to have. So um, applied and was lucky enough to get into Kellogg. Really enjoyed my time at Kellogg. Uh, definitely helped that I had a retail background and studied um, uh, retail at McKinsey & Company too, since many of the cases that we have in business school are around um, uh, retail cases or consumer products. So um, I am a student who um, always rose their hand, which would enable me not to always study as much. So I found <laughs> out that I definitely achieved grades that maybe I should not have gotten because I have my uh, high class participation. Um, and I um, was looking um, for, so I enjoyed my time at McKinsey. I think it's a wonderful company. I loved the retail practice. And I um, was good at what I did, um, and, but yet felt like I could try something else. And if I was going to, now would be um, a time. So an opportunity came up. Um, I loved the retailer paper source. Um, I loved it as a consumer. It felt, emo I was emotionally connected to it. I had no idea it was in Chicago and very, very few retailers are. Um, and got the opportunity um, a, a, pre a previous Kellogg um, graduate and a previous McKinsey partner who I never knew before um, took a chance on me and I started working for Paper Source um, and I had the wholesale division. Um, and then after um, a year, I had the e-commerce division and then marketing and catalog and customer and, and grew up. So I, when I, during my time at Paper Source, I ended up having five different divisions um, that I led um, with about 60 people and then um, um, had spent time there for eight years. Um, at this time also I had gotten married. So my invitations by far were the best of course, um, because I was working at paper stores at the time. Um, and had, um, two kids, two little girls, uh, when I was at paper source as well, they are now, um, five and seven. Um, and, um, definitely, um, have an impact on what I do because I like to be able to be at home. Um, with them at night as well. Uh, after Paper Source, I got an opportunity to go to Lou Malnati's, and that's not a place that you a lot of people um, think to go to is a uh, restaurant company. And there's really very little um, MBA, very little um, talent. Um, because most of retail and restaurants hire from within. And so there is often give, going through different types of changes where they are in real need of a different type of talent than what they've um, created internally. Um, and there are a lot of opportunities that are really difficult to fill um, uh, for large food service companies. And so it's almost like this hidden gem in a way of um, something that not a lot of people think of um, but is not going to go away anytime soon. All of us are going to continue to eat and consumers' demand might change. Um, and so received, got an opportunity to go to go to lose at the precipice of a big growth um, growth time as well. Um, when I was at Paper Source, we grew 
um, uh, five, six, five, six, seven times, seven times um, the, of the, the store count during the time that I was there in the eight years. We added on divisions, added on the way that we shipped, changed what we did. We, we grew. Um, and growth uh, pains are the best because you're solving a problem that's exciting to solve to grow your brand um, versus you know the reverse. Um, and there's a lot of consumer demand for um, what we had shifted to at Paper Source. So Lou's um, family-owned company, so different than a PE-owned company, iconic brand, has been around for 45 years. You wouldn't expect that to be a necessarily like, oh, this is going to be a huge growth engine. You know, 45 years, 46 locations. Um, but on the precipice um, of some exciting growth um, going forward, and the culture is just outstanding. Um, so did, had a move to Lou's where I'm chief strategy officer. Sure. Or it's a lot of gray. So I work on new stores, um, training for new stores, hiring for new stores, hiring across the company, um, training across the company, uh, marketing, uh, digital marketing, and some of our on our shipping business. So I co-lead operations with our COO as well as um, work on the marketing side as well. Um, like. I enjoy and like being spread across a lot of different um, functions. Um, I think I make better decisions having input from a bunch of how we can all work together and how we do work together. Um, so really, um, really love it. It's not a natural job um, to go from heavy SKUs to heavy people. Um, 8,000 SKUs to you know 3,000 managing 3,000 people. Very few SKUs. Very few SKUs. We've been making the same pizza for the last 47 years. It hasn't changed. It's <laughs> the exact thing. We don't really add ingredients. It's kind of um, so. How do you keep something consistent versus how do you change something mm. all the time? Um, so, a, a different problem to uh, have as well. That's interesting. Sounds like you've made a lot of different decisions, different risk profi profiles. I'm wondering what is the biggest risk that you've taken in your career so far? Um, I think the biggest risk is, um, I know the biggest risk was moving from the comfort um, and the height of, of, of McKinsey & Company, which mm -hmm. is very well known yeah. um, and safe and prestigious to um, paper source where I didn't know if I was going to be any good at operations. I thought I might be, but I, I don't know. And to leave something that you're good at to try something that you're not sure if you're going to be um, is risky because you also know that you're not sure if you can ever go back. Um, in consulting, not a lot of people go into industry and then come um, back. So it was a risk um, to take that. I took a, um, a lower salary, um, a, a different benefits package for sure, um, and that risk paid off for me, but it definitely was a risk at that time. Mm -hmm. What made you take uh, the leap? The love for the brand. Is there any other time <laughs> that I'm going to get to work for a brand that I love? Hmm. Um, and shopped and enjoyed as a consumer and, and like, felt like um, I could be a part of it. That's awesome. Um, you also shared a lot about um, your personal history, your family. I'm also wondering, who is your hero uh, and why? I think not, um, my dad is my hero. I just took a uh, seven-day trip with him. Um, to Argentina, right? To Argentina. Yeah. Um, and I've never taken a trip just with my dad before. Mm. Um, I, when I call home, I usually talk to my mom. Um, and I just have, over the last several years, learned a lot more about my dad. Um, my dad grew up in a uh, trailer park. 
my uh, dad, my grandfather was blind and uh, 50 and tuned to pianos when my dad was born. Um, and he was told he'd never go to college. And my grandma was somewhat of a uh, religious zealot. Um, so interesting family life between. Yeah. Um, and my dad not only put himself through college, but got straight A's, got a master's degree, um, taught for many years, and now at, um and then moved uh, on to um, run a company successfully um, for the last 38 years um, as their CEO. Um, it worked for large companies as well as some small companies and was a great dad. He was always at um, every event he could be. Uh, he never brought work stress home. Mm. Um, I um, appreciate more now as a mom, the balance that he had as a um, parent, and appreciate both my parents together. But I do think he is uh, a hero to me, and his the, his uh, way that he has achieved what he has, um, and is incredibly humble and hardworking. Yeah. Do you you mentioned before too that you really value ownership? and the decisions of the companies that you're at. Uh, it sounds like your father and his role as CEO uh, might have played a role in it and how you aspire to also have a lot of ownership. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, yeah. I think there's some of its ownership and it's also care. You care about the people that you're working with. Mm -hmm. You care about providing jobs. You care about having a great work environment and mm -hmm. having more ownership around the decisions that are made um, when you care that much about where you're working, I think is, um, for me, incredibly important. Hmm. Yes. You also said a few times that you love the brand that you're working at, mm -hmm. and what made you make the leap was a lot about loving the paper source brand. Mm -hmm. um, what do you love about the Luminati's brand? I love the people, and I know that seems generic. I, I, love, I think the group of people that I work with um, right now are incredibly fun and bright and feel like we are all in it uh, together and it is uh, I appreciate how I am pushed every day as both professionally as well as personally mm -hmm. um, so being called out for who I am as a whole person versus who I am just at work um, and I, uh, I think I've become a better mom and a wife and, um, and better at work and a better leader um, through getting pushed um, mm -hmm. there at loose. Oh, wow. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering, like you, when you came into the new role, how did you establish credibility with the same people that you really care and value? I think at first I made a couple of I mean, I, I made some mistakes. I wanted to perv show my value right away. I wanted to wow people. I wanted them to think like I was, you know, wow, they made a great decision in hiring me. Um, and I didn't realize that they, that new, you know, people in an existing place or could also be kind of scared of the new person coming in. And I, um, to establish credibility, instead of trying to provide my value, I tried to build relationships and get to know each of the person mm -hmm. and didn't try and wow them and didn't try eventually and did not try um, uh, to try and change everything, provide a lot of input. Once they saw, once people could, I got instant credibility when people understood that I cared about the company as much as they do. Mm -hmm. um, and even though that I'm new, I can care just as much. And 
that I want to do the right thing overall and help in building the brand in the way that it's going, not A, trying to change a ton of things, or B, trying to um, uh, show off what I can do, I, I, you know? Oh, yeah. That's a definitely an interesting answer. I'm taking a class at Kellogg right now, and they we spent an hour and a half talking about quick wins. Mm -hmm. Once you start a role, it's interesting that for you, you were coming in trying to get that quick win. Yeah. And then stopped and, like, decided to take a different route. And I think it allowed me to get some wins longer term. Mm -hmm. Um, But I... um, Yeah. I found my time there and my credibility grow immensely once people saw that I cared and I just wanted to get to really know them. So spending time getting to know them and not just going into agenda at a meeting. If I went into an agenda right away at a meeting and this is what we need to do one-on-one here, we, it, um, it, they didn't feel like I wanted to get to know them. And I feel that now on the other side when somebody is newer and coming in. I want them to know where I'm coming from. Hmm. So you spent, correct me if I'm wrong, seven years in consulting? Yes, exactly. Um, yeah. And I'm sure you had to deal with people there. Like, what's the biggest difference that you feel that it is from dealing um, with the team and employees mm-hmm. and McKinsey and A.T. Kearney and then at Paper Source and Luminati's? And how did you adapt to those different um, dynamics? Oh, great question. I, in terms of adapt, I enjoy working very much with people at both. I enjoy um, a lot of doing and testing and learning consistently and I can do that more at a paper source in terms of um, and a lose in terms of um, people I um, and and the differences there um, I everyone wants to do a good job everyone wants to feel value everyone can be scared at different times in their role Everyone is, um, th- that is the same. I think people at, not at McKinsey Company or might be more open to be able to uh, say yeah. that, but I think we all want to be recognized and valued. And so it's just understanding the differences in what they want that, how they want, uh, the differences of what that is for those different groups. Mm. How, how would you, if, for example, mm-hmm. we are all graduating, at least, at least I'm graduating mm-hmm. 12 weeks, 10 weeks or less, <laughs> Uh, I'm coming into a new role, and I want to show that I care, show that I'm interested in getting to know the team. What are some strategies or quick advice that you can give me Um, and other students that are facing the same thing? congratulations. Thank you. Um, (laughs) I I think for a lot of companies where people are going in, if they're not going into where it's a normal MBA feeder, um, they're going into a search fund, they're acquiring a company, they're going to a mid-sized company. Remembering that it can be scary for the people that are there. You're coming in with this big degree. Um, and leading with authenticity and vulnerability. So um, sharing where you're coming from and saying, hey, this is what I, I, I know, but I want your uh, opinion on it. This is something that I'm working on. What do you think? Getting people feedback on what you're doing, not um, not for the sake of getting feedback, but because you're really curious and you know wanting to know, they're immediately going to become advocates for you and mm-hmm. and and want to work with you, um, work alongside you. Saying that you don't know how to do something and being okay with it, being curious about why versus thinking that you have the right answer and knowing that you could do it better and being curious about mm-hmm. why 
you've done this this way for the last 30 years goes such a long way um, when you're embarking in a, in a new place. Yeah, fun. That's awesome. Um, so what lessons do you wish you'd known before you assumed your current role? Uh, I wish that I hadn't tried to provide value right away. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish that I had taken, when you start a new role, you're often not that busy. Okay, You don't have a full role because you're new and you're onboarding. Even if you're in an existing role, it still takes a while you know, for a role to fill up. So I wish I had used... Um, that initial time for me and retail more in the stores, more of understanding each function of the business, structuring my times so that I was going through so that I had a more well-rounded view instead of feeling like I should just be focused on exactly what I was hired for. So using that initial time to soak in everything that you can learn, um, I, I wish I had done a better job at. That's awesome. Um, is there a metric today that you think it's really important and you track religiously. Um, well, everyone looks at sales, right? So you're not going to, you know, there's about, there are a lot of metrics that you can't do anything with, right? And mm-hmm. it's, you do a lot of analysis. Are you really going to change the price of cheese? Are you really, no. Are you really going to change some things around food costs? No. Um, same store sales are always going to be important in the health of any retailer and, and restaurants. So of course I look at same store sales. Um, and then, of course, I'm going to look at labor and um, mm-hmm. understanding, are we missing out on sales? I think a lot of people look at labor and think, oh, if we need to cut, you know, we're, what are we? No, are we missing out on sales because we're not fully staffed? Like, are we meeting consumer demand in the way that we should be? Um, and if there's a trend, what is that? Um, it will say the, the biggest, um, you know, release each, of each, each, each year is our culture scores. So we do measure our culture and what our employees think of us. And the days that those mm-hmm. come out is the day that everybody... Is that is the result that everybody looks to the most, um, and that's how we grade ourselves as a leadership team. Are we continuing to get to strengthen our culture? Um, and that's a big day. It's a bigger day for us than, you know, your your quarterly sales or where you are. Oh wow, that's that's impressive. Yeah. Um, so I feel you mentioned that you make decisions daily all the time, and when you were a consultant, that didn't really happen. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk about the hardest decision you had to make in the past three months or so? I think there are hard, not I think, there are, the hardest decisions are always going to be people decisions. Um, and trading off the, pers- the, the people decision versus the company decision. And people will um, outgrow roles. People um, will not be able to achieve certain things in the roles. Rules will change, and identifying that, and then making the call. Um, and so, generally, the hardest decisions are going to be around when somebody doesn't have a fit, is not a fit for that role anymore, or the role is changing. Um, it, that is a hard decision versus somebody just deciding they're not going to show up to work, right? Um, and I always, I do go back to, if I am starting a company tomorrow, do I want this person on my team? Um, and if the answer is no, then you, you know you're making the right decision. But um, people's, the people decision and the impact that that person has, positive, negatively, um, uh, no impact, are all, um, I think, the hardest decisions that as leaders of a company that we'll continually make. It's not what business line we're going to go into. It's what, what, is our, what is our team dynamic and what does that look like and do we have the right people in the right roles? Yeah. So being an operator for the past nine years, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's been a it's been a long time. I know. <laughs> like I'm just getting older and older. No, it's awesome. Um, a lot of a lot of MBA students don't go don't go into an operating career. I know. 
Can you tell me why do you think that's the case, or can you make the case for more MBA operators? Yes. I think that um, a lot of operating roles do not pay as much mm. in the first couple years out of MBA school. Okay. So I think a lot of this, it's less sexy, right? You're not going to, you're not going to go right in and make the investment banking money. It just is not part of the structure of an, of an operating model. I think a lot of people regret that later on. They're in, they're in this role, they've been in doing whatever they've been banking, consulting in their 10 years, and they feel stuck and they can't move. And they don't know, you know, they don't feel like they don't know what to do unless people take a chance on them at, at that time. They're later on in their careers. And so I feel like people just miss that because it's less shiny. It's less, it's less fun. It's not a startup. It's not a tech. It's not like, it's not the shiny thing. Um, and I think people miss out because it ends up being the much more fun thing. And you're building something, you're growing something, your career's incredibly portable um, because you have a set of skills that can be spanned across industries. And uh, many of the industries that people, uh, that MBAs are not going into are the ones that need talent the most. Mm-hmm. And they may not pay for as much talent the first or the second or the third year, but then it can be a very um, positive place to be, both because your job is so much more fun and you have opportunities and you can do different things, coupled with um, there isn't as much talent, and so it's a, you're wanted and you're needed, and there are opportunities um, to um, be a part of the upside in a lot of growth companies that I think MBAs just miss out on. Um, mm-hmm. They're just they're just yeah. not there, and they're not thinking about it in that way. Like being, how can I be an operator in different PE funds versus how do I work at the PE fund? Um, and I think being on the me personally being the operator side has um, a lot more fun because you'll always be learning at different companies and doing different things um, throughout your career. Well, what are some skills you mentioned? Like how transferable skills are. Yeah. Can you think of like top three skills that you think uh, are the most valuable ones? Yes, owning a PNL and running a PNL, um, making the trade-offs you have to make daily in decision to make a business successful. Whether you're in a function that is marketing that can be portable across multiple industries or within the same industry but different companies, whether your leadership and not. Um, I don't know that many companies will take a bet on somebody who's led one person in consulting. It's different mm-hmm. than leading an organization of, um, uh, you know, nine direct reports, which ends up being 90 direct reports. Like it leads a large scale organization. And, um, I, I don't know that as many MBAs get that, yeah. um, because they don't get the pure leadership um, mm-hmm. of a large scale operation um, going into some more of the service industries. They just have less people in them. Um, interesting. Yeah. Um, so if you were to clearly, sh- I'm passionate about this. Yeah. I think there's like I, me I, too. Uh, I'm just thinking right now. Like I know at least three of my colleagues mm-hmm. are negotiating with smaller size companies yeah. and mid sized companies right now to go into an operating role. Yeah. What advice would you give him of how to structure that first role right out of school into yeah. an operating yeah. position? Everyone is going to have something that's diff- different and um, more or less important to them, giving given their risk. Um, I think it's a waste of time to try and negotiate title. Who cares? Um, uh, in terms of where you're coming in. Same thing with direct reports. Your, your position, what you're going to be doing in a smaller mid-sized company is going to shift over time. And you've got to be open to that and what that could look like. Um, so I would be focused on the company. Um, options, package, risk, uh, longer term, you know, in longer in investment thesis. Like I'm not focused on the first two years and focus on like where, what, what it could be like in the next five years and knowing that it could change, but feeling like you've got, you're excited about what that is. 
I don't know that as many people go into like non-operating roles thinking about like, am I really excited about what this looks like in five years? Or am I excited about what it looks like here, you know, in the first year? Um, and um, looking at what that growth, what that growth could be like. And if you want to work at that company, work at that company. You're going to love it. Um, and don't get hung up on having I and T dotted. It's just, it's just not part of. Yeah, um, and absolutely. Yeah. I, I think that really changes the decision, right? Because here we, we think, oh, in two years of change. Like I read a stat once that in 18 months, 70% of the class, at least at Kellogg, yeah. will have moved on to different roles and different jobs. Uh-huh. And you were looking at a horizon of five years. Um, now I'm wondering, like, what rationale would you go through or what what's the thinking process here for someone that wants to take that leap, mm-hmm. wants to make that jump, but is looking around and doesn't really know what to do. Make, I say make the jump. I, I think um, if you're getting an operational skill set, you already have the fundamentals around finance. You have the fundamentals and analytics that you need. Um, so if you have the the leadership traits, the decision, the running a PL, the, the aspects, whatever it might be, distribution, logistics, whatever it might be, you... you um, are just innately, I think, so much more valuable because the, the, a lot of times those two things are not together. You don't have the MBA and the operating experience. Mm-hmm. And so it, to me, some people would argue it's safer to go the banking consulting route. Could be. Is it also more risky because after five years or after two years you've been there, it's harder to do something else. Mm. Um, and you've set yourself up for something that you, that is actually harder because you're looking for that one position that you're hoping to, but every other colleague is looking for it at that same time. And it's actually harder to break in as you're older versus younger. I, I, it's, it's a... Yeah. Yeah. It's a trade-off. I don't know. It's yeah, a, for sure. So interesting. Um, so I'm thinking... Um, you have a lot of decisions that you have to make every day. Um, and before we wrap up, I want to ask you two more questions. Uh, the first one is, what's the smallest action you could take today that would have the biggest impact? Um, I have found that um, not sending an email and calling somebody mm-hmm. to thank them, which is a very small action mm-hmm. for something that they did, recognizing them, um, is make such a long-term impact um, and both your relationship as well as mm-hmm. you're just simply acknowledging, picking up the phone and acknowledging somebody or walking over to that person and acknowledging them face-to-face versus just sending an email that says like, uh, good job. If you think about yourself and what you get, what you would appreciate in today's texting everything world, actually getting a call from somebody saying, that was amazing. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I it that. is so much more impactful. You'd be extremely surprised. Yeah. <laughs> like, does something happen? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Somebody's using my phone. I didn't know I could speak on it. Um, and I sound old when I say that, yet, no. yet it still no. it has an impact. You know, it has an impact on me. For sure. Um, yeah. So last question uh, before we end our podcast episode today. Uh, if we traded places tomorrow, what advice would you give me and other second-year MBA students uh, for the day? Okay. First, travel as much as you can before you start your job. <laughs> start your job as late as possible. Um, do not rush to start because you're going to be working, which many of you know. But, but, but start your job late. When you are in a job, I don't think you can do it when you're choosing a job, right? I don't think anybody's going to pick a wrong job out of here. It's a matter of do you recognize if it's not the right fit and do you do something about it? Mm-hmm. And so if you... Even if you're good at something, if you are realizing is it energy draining for you or energy giving, if you're energy giving and you're excited about it, 
And if you're excited to talk to your friends and your colleagues and your parents about what you're doing at work, you've made it. If you, like, that's awesome. And if you're not, uh, then do something about it. Don't just wait because don't just settle for something that you're good at if you don't really um, get excited about it. Um, and I find I always get, I get excited when I'm talking to, it reminds me when I talk to other people about um, excitement that I have um, around different projects and things that I'm working at in different